the Free for All Roundtable. Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer, near Canada's Wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think. Round one. Tim Hudak, former leader of the Ontario Conservatives, now with the Ontario Real Estate Association. Laura Babcock is the host of the O Show, and uh, she also heads up Power Group Communications. Mark Warner, international trade lawyer. Good morning to y'all. And uh, if Laura is uh, well and truly connected now, let's actually start with you, Laura. We were just talking with uh, former Premier Kathleen Wynne, and she was talking about the the pressure women are under. And it's not just in politics, obviously. I'm sure you end up with the same kind of thing where people just crap all over how you look because you're on television and they feel that they can un- unload on women. Yes, I think horse face is the latest thing I get called right? because, of, <laughs> because of my big smile, right, which I've always loved having a big Duchenne smile. Listen, it's it's unfair and it's relentless. And even listening to Lisa Raitt earlier talk to you about it, um, women in public life get assailed with all kinds of misogyny. But even beyond that, and this is why I think with, with Kathleen, her Osho appearance and the follow-up blog she did about it struck such a nerve on social media, John, is that it came from an Another woman, right? Another woman who had been in public life. And so there's a whole other discussion around this about, you know, needing to build each other up and not hold women, uh, either women to women or men to women or anyone to women, to a higher standard or different standard than men. You know, men can grow old gracefully and, you know, they, they look more weathered and more mature and more worldly. And women, oh my God, you've got some kind of a dent on your face. You better put Botox into it. I mean, it's just not fair. And I love, love, love as a 70 year old woman, she came on my show. She didn't care. She afterwards she educated about the experience, and I know my daughter Matisse loved her blog. And I encourage you know mothers and, and women everywhere to read it. It's great. Well, and worth noting, I'm sorry you say this was a woman in media who was coming after her. Her handle is air quotes media. Who is this individual? Uh, you know what, Kathleen didn't want to mention her, so I really don't want to. There's okay. a lot of threat about it online, but I want to respect Kathleen's handling of this, which was very dignified about the bigger issue of let's not let girls feel that we need to be perfect or some false image. Let's just hear our voices and speak our truth. Okay, Tim Hudak, let me come to you because you're a man who's been in the public forum and in politics. Uh, what are your reflections on this? Yeah, well, let me first say thanks, John. Those very kind words from you uh, right before this uh, this segment. I, now I want to recount, uh, but uh, <laughs> the good news is when when I when I left politics, I made a bit more money. So the answer is I actually was able to buy a personality. So that's that's the difference. That you're saying. <laughs> Um, I was wondering. <laughs> so yeah, there, there's no like sh- absolutely my, my fair share of, of attacks and nastiest things about said about me half of them probably true but it was rarely it was rarely in the realm of of personal uh, appearances and certainly there'd be lots of things to attack women do get targeted un- unfairly cruelly more than men do it is it is clear and, and I see this in radio too John when we see the the text board and you know the the text that my my wife Debbie would have attacked Attacking her on a personal level, not on what she stands for, is reprehensible. So what do you do? You, you call it out, you expose it, and you power through, and, and good for Premier Kathleen Wynne in helping lead the way. And Mark Warner, I'll turn to you, because I, I do believe it's unequally directed at women, but I'm also thinking of an interview I was listening to yesterday with Chris Christie, former governor of New Jersey, who's running for the Republican nomination, and Donald Trump, Trump called him a fat pig. 
Yeah. Well, I, I think so. And I, I do think people do get that. I mean, I think fat male fat politicians are attacked all the time. I don't, I'm always uncomfortable with these kinds of conversations, John, because, you know, my experience, as I said several times, when I, my very brief people uh, period running as a candidate um, for a federal, in a federal election, is I did get attacked viscerally on a personal level. Um, you know, I would, uh, you know, about weight issues, about other issues, frankly, a lot of racism too. So yeah. I, it's hard to quantify it. I mean, I know the, 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 you know, anyway, I, I I think the sort of feminist piece of it is something that people come up. Uh, it's easier for a lot of people to, to climb onto. I I can't speak as a white guy because I've never been a white guy. I got my fair share as a black guy and as a fat guy. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm 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 a little bit unwilling to say that it's only women. I also do think it's some women attract it more than others, and 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 that perhaps is where I would go with it. You know, it does seem to me that politicians like Kathleen Wynne or like. Um, can't remember her name, Catherine McKenna, at the federal level when she was environment minister, have a way of of of, uh, of doing politics with their elbows up. And then when they get attacked, they go into the damsel in distress mode. And I think that that's part of what I look to. I mean, I don't think Melanie Jolie gets attacked quite as much as Catherine McKenna on a personal level. I don't think so. So I, I, I don't completely think it's a simple, straight calculation. I think some of it has to do with the the way some women approach politics. And I think it's one of these things where I think, and I'd be interested in Tim on Tim's view of this. I do think it is tough to know what do you do with an opponent who does the sort of elbows up male routine and then retreat, retreats into the damsel in distress mode when attacked. And I, and I just, I just, I feel for male politicians confronting women like that. Cause I don't know where, where how you situate yourself. And I think that's been a very successful uh, political tactic for Kathleen Wynne throughout her career. John, may I just quickly say, I had Catherine McKenna on the O show as well. She wore makeup and didn't get any of these comments, right? So I just don't want to lose the fact that Kathleen Wynne was talking to a comment about the fact that she didn't make herself up and try to fit some sort of a beauty standard. So Canadians apparently, by a sizable majority, I think it's 63%, say it's time to reconsider our ties to the monarchy. Uh, Tim Hudak, I'll start with you on this one. I appreciate monarchists are appalled that I will say such a thing, but I was all in for Queen Elizabeth. Charles, for me, feels like a panto show. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> you know, I, I look. I, I'm going to stand with the king. I'm going to stand with the king. I'm uh, sure. I wish Queen Elizabeth would had lasted a few more years. She was an incredible <laughs> statesperson and one of the leading figures of the last uh, century. But I don't think we should attach our entire system of government, our experience, our history, the strengths we have, because a person in the crown has has changed. Like Canada is a country that is admired around the world. Warts and all. Our system of governance is is, is respected. We are a, a attractive rod for talent from every corner of the earth but ain't broke don't fix it i'm sticking with the king well though i mean mark warner i i'm always ready to disclose if the king came to canada and i got an invitation i'd probably be very excited to go and meet him however i just find it very very strange that our head of state lives in a castle across the sea <laughs> you know i guess the way i look at it the two things i do like prince charles because i do remember prince charles from before diana and he sort of cemented his uh his role to me when after they had these riots in brixton and london i, I suppose it's not quite as a, a seminal event in the life of a lot of other people in Canada, but it was race riots in Brixton. And one of those subtle exercises of monarchical power by Queen Elizabeth and Prince Charles, when Margaret Thatcher was being the hard ass that she was, 
um, the Queen sent Prince Charles into Brixton, and um, it was quite popular. And so, I, and after that, he, that's actually the original foundation for something called the Prince's Trust. All of this at a time when Margaret Thatcher was being who she was, not how she was remembered by some. And so, um, yeah, I like Charles, and I, uh, I also don't know what we replace it with. I mean, we have not seen at the federal level. I think the ability of politicians, particularly one like Justin Trudeau, to um, to 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 appoint people who are independent and who have broad sort of popular appeal that you know across the party. I would just I, I shudder to think of the kind of person that Justin Trudeau would appoint, or who or someone like him would appoint as our new regent or whatever name we're going to give it, president or whatever name. So you know this this until someone can come up with something better, I'm prepared to live with Charles. I might revisit it with Diana's children. Uh, they I don't have as much attachment to them, but uh, I'll stick with Charles. Well, and that's a funny thing, Laura Babcock, because a lot of people think if they just had skipped over Charles, that people would be much more invested in in royalty. Yeah, you know, I was on Team Diana during the whole Charles Diana debacle back in the day. And I have to say that I took my kids to London this summer. They had no desire to go and see Buckingham Palace. They're not into it at all in their generation. And I was into it only because really my mom, as an Empire loyalist, and and the Queen herself seemed to be such a, a strong, steady leader for so many decades that I admired her, the person. But yeah, I'm all for, can we just move on? Just because it ain't broke doesn't mean we can't do it better. Okay, this is totally in your wheelhouse, uh, Mark Warner. Apparently, uh, Parliamentary Budget Officer has calculated it's going to take us 20 years to break even on these grants we've given to create battery plants in the province of Ontario. You have worked in government. Do you think it was a good deal? You know, it, it's, it's, I always love these stories because, you know, the, you have a, the federal government actually puts money in and so does the province. And so it's always interesting watching what the opposition parties yeah. say at both levels because, you know, they're sort of in sort of this asymmetry. Um, it's hard to say. First of all, it's it's really hard to say how much money is really going in because how much money, I mean, so how much money is really going out the door because of the way the money is actually going to be spent is going to be based on a function of what's actually produced. And I have real questions about how much will actually be produced. So we're, we're evaluating this based on press releases that are frankly not all that realistic um i think so we'll see whether i'm right or wrong about that but uh you know there, there's a lot of spillover effects from auto investments uh, auto uh, industry and I, but when i say investment i mean real investments by the companies not the loans that will never get repaid uh so i i, I think it, you know the spillovers is where you have to look at and the parliamentary budget officer really didn't didn't include those. But, um, you know, I doubt that this money will will ever be repaid in any full sense. But the good thing is I have real doubts about our ability to get it out, of, get it out the door um, just for a whole bunch of other other reasons. So we're, we might not end up so badly off. Well, and Tim Hudak, people will point out that when it comes to aviation and automotive, this is kind of the price of doing business. Maybe. Well, this is. Uh, I used to love doing these cost-benefit analyses. Part of the, the 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 geek side, I guess. Right. So the problem here, John, is we got the equation wrong. Mark makes a good point. It doesn't include the spin-off benefits to suppliers, uh, local community businesses that will benefit spending in the community. But on the other side of the coin, the the fifteen billion or whatever is taken from someone else, right? Other businesses, other taxpayers that could have spent it elsewhere. So it doesn't take into effect that uh, that impact of taking it out of the economy. But here's the bottom line. Here's what's really missing in the math and it's not about the plus minus it's about the political points that you can score it's about standing in front of a new manufacturer and cutting the ribbon it's about campaign ads it's the benefit to the politicians and sometimes the judgment here obviously both federally and provincially that's invaluable 
Thank you all. Good to have you. Mark Warner, Laura Babcock, and Tim Hudak. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.